Yeah. Right, that Momo didn't just accidentally kill you off in the middle of the show or something. <laughs> I mean, that that will happen one day. But. <laughs> Welcome back to Merlisten, guys, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, the characters, and literally everything else we can come up with. I'm Amortastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And today we have another guest for our episode, and that is Rockin' Vaughn. Say hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we are, we're always happy to have new guests on the show. It's always exciting to hear new voices and new opinions. It's great. I'm happy to be here. Amazing. Yay. So today we are going to have another episode in which we look at closer at one of the actors of Merlin and today we are going to meet Colin Morgan. Woo! Yay! <laughs> so last time it was Bradley where I was the one constantly swooning and <laughs> Rox, Rox was appreciative of his talent and today it's gonna be uh, Rockin' and Rox constantly swooning I I predict and me being <laughs> yeah I think he's great. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but before we get into all of that, let's hear some news. Merlin RPF is going to have a prompt fest. Prompting closes on the 19th of January, then participants claim a prompt from the 20th of the January onwards. Posting dates will be assigned in April, and fan works will be posted in May. For more information on how the fest is run and what rules there are, check Merlin RPF on LifeJournal. On the 15th of January, Merlin Reverse will ask you to check in with your progress. You need to be 25% finished with your work if you signed up for Reverse as a creator. Keep an eye open for the official check-in post on Merlin Reverse on LifeJournal. And lastly, another com that wants you to check in if you're participating in their challenge is Finish That Fake Merlin. Don't forget to always update your monthly word count and completed fixed stats for this challenge. And that has been it for news. So let's get right into the talkbacks. And fair disclaimer, we recorded these several weeks after we recorded the rest of the episode. This is because Rox was on a tight schedule and we decided we'd rather record as much of the actual episode with all three of us there than have to say goodbye too early. So for these talkbacks, Rock and Vaughn won't be saying anything, not because we forbade them to say anything, but because they're not here as we record this. Anyway, let's get stuck in. And our first comment today comes from Archaeologist D who commented on our episode review of the Excalibur episode. And I think Rox is the one who, as per usual, likes to argue with <laughs> Diane. <laughs> I'm not, I don't actually think I, I have much to argue for this time, um, but I'll just read out a couple of things. Uh, Diane always uh, is very good with answering my questions on things like layout, uh, which I really appreciate. So um, she's put... FYI, the scene with the Black Knight throwing down the gauntlet seems to be filmed in the banquet hall under the Great Hall. Sure, it looks it sure looks like it from my photos. They could have covered the windows to make it look like night. And uh, obviously, like with these comments being left, you know, far in advance. Actually, I think I'd been to Pierrefond since 
recording Excalibur and <laughs> and uh, and uh, saw this for myself, and I was like, oh well, um, now I will look very foolish. So uh, yes, that uh, I am I am now aware of that. But thank you, Diane. That is always appreciated because I like to know where things are. Um, then she says, FYI again, Merlin's outfit at Gwen's wedding was actually Arthur's. It shows up in the deleted scenes where Arthur is going through his wardrobe on what to wear. Season four, episode nine. So Merlin wouldn't necessarily have worn it for Arthur's coronation. I think this was uh, for a uh, comment I made about how he doesn't have any other clothes and he just like for Arthur's coronation wears his servant garb, uh, but not for the wedding. And I've just like made it very like sort of excited comment about how yes I forgot about this and just Merlin wearing Arthur's clothes <laughs> it just makes me so happy that this is like literally canon and also um I rewatched the deleted scene after Diane mentioned this um and just the idea of um uh the princess Elena like princess Elena being dismissed by Arthur as being too girly when like like literally the whole point of that episode was that she was like a tomboy what (laughs) like what on earth i just this is like merlin continuity at its peak it's like yes the girl who you uh were disgusted by because she burped at the table and rode a horse like a man and was clumsy and all these things is too girly yes that makes all the sense (laughs) um and then we have another part of the comment where uh, Diane has said the arena set was at Pierfonds. The arena for the first season was right in front of the castle in the parking lot. The jousting scene, uh, the jousting scenes in season two to three were done in the park above the castle. And uh, yes, as well, since the comment was posted, I had been to Pierfonds and Diane told me this in person. So <laughs> that Actually, is Diane awesome. showed us this in person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, and then she says, confirmed French extras applauding mythological British king, which we were, I think we were, I knew it, I knew it. Um, and Diane says, I, I adore this episode. There was so much backstory. It's one of my go-to episodes for Merlin. And we agree now that I remember how awesome it is, I will be rewatching it all the time. So thank you for your feedback, Diane. Yes. And then Marky, aka Über dem Nebelmeer, left us. A couple of comments on our Bradley episode on Discord, and Rox wanted to have a summary comment on the first part of it, I think. Uh, yeah, just uh, some accent-related stuff, because uh, I like that, because uh, I mentioned his accent and I really enjoy it, and uh, they've said... Uh, one thing I tend to notice often in actors is how they modulate the tone of their voice and does Bradley have a talent for molding it just right, which I think is completely correct. Like I've said, most of the time, I really do tell the difference between when he's Arthur and when he's Bradley, and he definitely has. And yeah, um, I'm thinking particularly, um, uh, you know, his kind of uh, like spikes, like his high spikes where he's like, I feel great you know that kind of stuff (laughs) and it's just really really funny um and yeah whenever he gets like really affronted he's like you just said it wasn't important and stuff like that um it's really funny and it just makes the comedic moment so much better um and then they've said uh, he was born in Exeter, but he doesn't really have a West Country accent. At least I can't detect it, probably because he didn't really grow up there. Um, yeah, he definitely doesn't have a West Country accent. I don't even think he has 
like a leftover like i've like like spoken with people that have like a little bit left over and they definitely have like the telltales and he doesn't have any of that um then they've said uh and also we can't not mention his american accent i'm not a fan of u.s accents i tend to watch shows from overseas dubbed because of that and i'm not really an expert but i'm digging sorry but I'm digging his and it sounds realistic. Wasn't there an interview where he said he picked it up while living in the US and that it's a skill that turned out useful in his career? I don't think I've ever watched anything of his where he's had an American accent, only in one of the uh, blooper reels where him and Colin are like messing around and he does like a little American accent. But yeah, I know it would be it would be Damien. You'd have to see Damien yeah. or iZombie okay. for his American accent, which obviously you won't. There is nothing better than an American accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking this as when Marky said that uh, they preferred to watch the shows dubbed because they hate the American accent. I was like, ooh, Rox is the exact opposite. <laughs> I literally like... I j okay, look. I'm just going to say there are very few British accents that are, in my opinion, very like appealing. And I actually have friends that are complete opposite. Like, I've... I've had conversations with friends of mine where I've taken like a phrase that might be said like during coffee, for example, <laughs> and said it in an American accent. And I've been like, now you see compared to and then with like a horrible British accent, like just really bad. And my friend has been like, oh, no, I like the second one. I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, no, it's so like it, it's just soft. And like, I don't know. I think it's like, you know, it's just like a personal preference. But no, the American accent it, for me is just it's like definitely a personal preference. Like there are both American and British accents that I like. And there are both American and British accents that I don't like as much. And uh, so I can definitely, it, it really depends on what accents you pick for either, for either exercise and dirty talk, honestly. <laughs> so. I love how like you're allowed to say it and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in case, in case there are people who are new to this podcast or just didn't catch on to Rox's reference, when, Ro when Rox says things you say during coffee, she doesn't mean an innocent coffee date coffee is code for sex because Rox lives with other people and can't say naughty things out loud not like you know when people are listening by the way it's not like I'm weird uh no I am weird but <laughs> uh speaking of Damien though um Marky also said I'm not an expert by any means but IDK Damien as a whole seems to seems so pretentious and i felt it would have worked better with a fewer with fewer episodes which first of all damien didn't have that many episodes to start with i don't i don't remember how many they were but i think it's like somewhere between 10 and 15 which for an american tv season is already really short um so that that's one thing and then to cut it down even more anyway i i honestly i don't know anything about that like I didn't pay attention to that too much like I will admit that I mainly watched Damien so I could swoon over Bradley and nothing else like I mean the story was interesting and and sort of 
creepy and fascinating for that aspect. Like, I also did sort of creepily enjoy watching The Omen, like the, the classic horror movie. And Damien didn't creep me out as much as the movie did. But um, honestly, I didn't really pay much attention to, to storytelling. I was too busy waiting for Bradley to show up on screen again. So um, I'm, <laughs> I'm not the right person to talk about structure in this show because I watched it once when it, when it aired. And I haven't rewatched it since. Anyway, we we end on Bradley's acting ability because not only does he manage to mold and modulate his voice, but also I mentioned his facial acting. Oh, that sounds like a like a porn movie. I thing. I mean I I didn't want to be the one to say it, but um I'm just it's gonna just because agree. I said facial. This is nothing else would have made it except I said facial. He's very and good at acting. He's very good at acting with his face. <laughs> he uses all... his face for acting as much as the rest of of his body. It still sounds like a porn movie. I can't tell. Anyway. Marky sent us a link to a GIF and photo set on Tumblr with some examples of Bradley's face in the show Merlin. And we will link to it because it is really a great reference post put together by bisexual Merlin in response to a GIF set by a clans woman. And I will second that Bradley truly makes the best faces. Like, one of my frequent Bradley tags is, what the fuck is your face on my own Tumblr? So, yeah, Bradley just makes all the faces. Always. He's amazing. All right. Now that we've talked about all of that, let us tell you where you can find us. Rox, do you want to do the honors? Yeah, I'll do it. Why not? <laughs> uh, so all the places you can leave us feedback are as follows. You can leave us a comment on our website where you listened to this episode. So that's merlison.paracaproductions.com. Or you can reblog the Tumblr post where you found us and leave us comments in the tags or in the body of the post. You can tweet us at Merlison. We also have a Twitter account, so go ahead and tweet us if you want to. Or you can join us on Discord. We can give you the invite link if you want to and leave us all of your emotions and feels in the dedicated channels that we have there for episode reactions. Or if you want to, you can send us an email which is merlison.podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, guys, I'm always plugging this. We are on iTunes. Make use of it. It's a great way to listen to podcasts um, or whatever your Android alternative is. I don't know anything about that. So <laughs> go ahead. You have no excuse. Uh, Honour us with your comments, and we really look forward to reading them. Yes, very much so. Amazing. So, as we have a new guest today, of course, we are being nosy. Rockin, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into Merlin? When did you get into Merlin? And do you participate in fandom? And if yes, how and where can we stalk you? <laughs> okay. Well, um, I first found uh, Merlin on Netflix in uh, the spring of 2012. Um oh. Yeah, so I was relatively late to the Nerland fandom. Um, 
But it was one of those things where I watched the first episode and then just had to watch them all just back to back to back for days and days. (laughs) (laughs) That that never happens to anyone. Yeah. No, no, I never do that. (laughs) Who does that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just sucked me right in. And the first episode, I was like, well, I got to watch more of this. And, um, yeah, then I, I found, um, the, the Merlin fandom on Live Journal. Yes. Oh my gosh. <gasps> the good <laughs> and, old days. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> and, um, and just got sucked right into that whole fandom. And, um, yes, I participate in, um, in the fandom. I am a fanfic writer. Um, I, I haven't written anything new in the last couple of years, but it's always simmering in the back of my mind. It's more just that I've got a job now that makes it difficult for me to find time to write, but I oh, always yeah. have that, that urge to want to get back to it. So one of these days, there'll probably be something new. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm pretty consistent as far as where to find me. I'm, I, I'm still on live journal, although I'm, I'm almost never touching in there, but, um, I go by Rock and Vaughn on all my platforms. So, um, on, you know, on live journal and on Tumblr and on Twitter. Um, and I, AO3? Are you on AO3? I am. Uh, all my stories okay. are on AO3 under, hey, there Rock and Vaughn. Shocking. Uh, hey, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be linking to all your accounts so people can find you and leave you all the comments and kudos and reblogs and likes and whatnot. So, excellent, amazing, and for all our listeners, today Rox has an appointment later on. So, depending on how long this recording will end up running, <laughs> Rox might disappear at some point towards the end. So, just so you're warned, it's <laughs> like Rockin said, it's not that I killed her through the <laughs> internet. It's that Rox actually had to leave to go see Darren Chris and Leah Michelle in concert in London. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. So yeah. Uh, sorry guys, as much as I love Colin, Colin's not performing in London tonight. So no, nope, not that we're aware of anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah. So. We're almost ready. I just want to give a quick disclaimer, one that we didn't do for for Bradley because he didn't have that many that many productions out, but I still I suppose we should have given it, but I'm going to give it for for Colin. Here's your disclaimer that we'll be discussing various appearances and projects of him and we'll probably end up spoiling some of them. So we'll do our best to announce major spoilers before we birth them out, but you know, yes. this is your general Spoiler warning for the rest of the episode. So if there are any projects of Colin that you haven't seen yet that you want to see, like especially movies or TV shows, and you don't want to be spoiled for any of for any of it or like major plot points, it might be better for you to skip this episode and come back to it once you've seen it because we'll probably spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... For Bradley, we did a mini biography, so I feel like we should do one for Colin as well. Colin was born on the 1st of January in 1986. What a New Year's surprise for his parents, though. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> that's, well, it wasn't that's starting... it wasn't exactly a surprise. They had 10 months no, to I... prepare for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But, like, that's... What a great start to the year. No, I actually honestly. really like this, because there's... 
uh, a fic that I read years ago. I can't remember. And like, I would not be able to tell you the author or, or the title, but it was a Brolin fic. Uh, but it was basically the idea was that Bradley was thinking about like New Year's Eve and like how at midnight, like he felt as if they were celebrating Colin's birthday with fireworks like because Aww. it was and it was just so cute and i was like oh this is like the sweetest thing <laughs> like yeah we celebrate colin's birthday with fireworks every year and it's really sweet so yeah i, I like that yes yeah so while he's not yet had his birthday as of recording this episode by the time it airs colin yeah. will have had a birthday and he will be now 32 years old 33 years old 33 years old, exactly, because when it airs, it's 2019, and no yes. longer 2018. <laughs> oh, listen, math is hard. <laughs> That's okay. That's what I'm here for. Okay, so, yeah, he was he was born in Northern Ireland, and he has two older brothers. Nope, just one brother. Just one brother? Yep, okay, it's just the two really... of them. Okay, I'm I'm glad I have you to correct me. So, this is something I, I read on the internet, mm-hmm. so clearly... I have no idea if it's true, but the internet claims that Colin is a vegetarian, he's lactose intolerant, he's pro-ethical consumerism, and he does yoga. Yes, to all of the above. Although Woo! he may, although he may now be a vegan, we're not a hundred percent certain. But um, okay, yeah. I did hear that he was like. I remember that when I first got into Merlin in when did it start? Two thousand and eight. So yes. I watched it in two thousand and nine. Um, my friend told me that he was vegan then. So this this rumor clearly has been persistent. Yeah, I mean, for about he was, 10 years he was definitely always vegetarian. But if you're de- vegetarian and lactose intolerant, that's you're, that's practically you're almost vegan. Right vegan. There. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're almost and, vegan. And since then, um, other people, other cast members on projects he's been on have mentioned something to the effect of him being vegan. He's never come out and said so himself. Okay. So, well, that's that's because Colin never says anything. This is true. Yeah, that that's my next point about him. He doesn't like social media and would generally be happier if the whole celebrity stardom stuff weren't part of the entertainment business. Yes. So like in from what I read in his opinion, it shouldn't be a business in the first place. It should just be entertainment, to which all I can say is sorry, Colin, that's not how capitalism works. <laughs> True, but I don't think he's in it for the capitalism. He's in it for no, the art. He, so it's... I know, I know, but that's like in this day and age, that's you can't do you can't do art and live without selling your art. So it's and, yeah, it's like if like if the entertainment business wasn't a business, Colin would not be able to pay his bills. He would literally exactly. be homeless. So I don't really exactly. get that point. Yeah. <laughs> I wish my job didn't make me any money. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, I think that he he just like I think the the thing that bugs him like from the impression that I get, the the thing that bugs him most is just having to do like press tours and interviews and all of that like he he he's fine probably with getting paid for doing his job but he Actually, just doesn't want to promote it doesn't it. seem it not, 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 that doesn't seem to be the case though i mean he will okay. go out and promote his projects it's more um at least from what i've read and from my impression is more the um the intrusion into you know, private life, crossing over from his work oh, into yeah. the rest of his life. Yeah, so he doesn't yeah. mind going out and talking about his projects and his characters and all of that. Right. He seems to enjoy doing that. 
But when it comes to being asked about anything else about his life, that's where he has a problem. Yeah. And he's done a really good job of ma- like maintaining a really good, like, balance, I think, because a lot of people, I think, really, when they've reached a certain level, find it nearly impossible, especially if you're into social media. Like, I think some people right. maybe who want to do this for a living and want privacy, but really enjoy social media, which, you know, you, you should. I mean, it can be really fun. They right. would probably find that really challenging. But he's, I guess, lucky in the way that he just doesn't really feel a need for it. So he has pretty much just lived a normal life, like, you know, for the most part, which right. I think is really cool. As um, normalized, I think it is possible to do. Yeah. And what yeah. what I find really interesting, though, what you guys said about the promoting thing is that I find um, a lot of actors that I follow, uh, I'm thinking specifically of um, uh, uh, Kate Winslet said this in one of her interviews years ago. She said, you know, the thing that many people don't really realize about this job is that there are com- two completely different parts of this job, completely separate. There's the acting and right. then there is the promoting, which is a whole separate chunk it's not that it's like this little thing it's a whole extra bit of the job that you go out and you have to then promote these films all over the world and like on all different shows and she says that yes sometimes that can be more challenging because you have to actually sell this product and also a lot of the times what happens is because obviously films go into production at a certain time and then they may not get released for whatever reason until much later um you may be promoting something that you filmed three years ago and you don't even remember what happened (laughs) oh yeah some some people or i should say some actors though it's more than that it's not just selling the product um it's selling the actor. Yeah. And again, I yeah. think that's, that's the part that Colin really hates is the mm-hmm. selling himself. He doesn't mind selling the product. He's, or the, the project. He doesn't like selling himself. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say is that uh, when, when they have to, you know, promote stuff and be in the public eye as well, it's just that many actors will, you know, they, because they want to protect their privacy, obviously, because they have so little of it. Right. Because the more, like, the more famous they are, the the less privacy they have. Right. Because people keep following them around and keep invading their their personal lives uh, without shame, honestly. Yes. So they they affect a public persona as well. So they they sort of they become split personalities. Yeah. There's there's yes. the part of them like because I'm pretty sure that I mean I'm sure. Uh, fans will will see part of that in the in the Merlin video diaries, for example. I me not ever having watched them properly, I wouldn't know. But um, <laughs> like I'm sure that Colin the person is different from Colin the the seemingly private person, but still in front of a camera and an audience. Yes. So you know, I it's the same. We talked but- about this with Bradley as well, where like. Um, how Bradley is probably still a, like probably close to what he is in private when he's in front of a camera, but also probably still holding back things about his personality, about right. his private life. Like, I mean, obviously he holds back about his private life, but about his just his character when he's in front of an audience of any kind of audience. 
to right. see. And then if you have someone like now, for example, the difference I see between Bradley and Colin, Bradley is an outgoing person. He is an extroverted yeah. person. Colin is the opposite. He is an introverted person. So um, for him, anytime he has to put on that mask, that's work. That's that's hard. You know, it's draining. So um, you can yeah. see where that would be. I really need to limit this because I only have so much energy to give to this. Yeah. What I will say, though, is I would actually, you know, I think we are very, very like all of us are guilty of this at some point. I think when you see an interview with an actor or a musician or whatever, and you're like, oh, like that's their personality. And I feel like I think the majority yeah. of the time what happens is actors aren't necessarily putting on a mask. I think they're doing what every person in the world does. And it's when you're in public, you are the best version of yourself. You are the polished version, the polite version, or like, you know, whatever, when you're amongst people who you don't know. And so that's like when you meet someone for the first time, you can't take that at at face value. And it's the same for normal people. If I meet someone in the pub, they're not going to, you know, show me their worst habits and their worst qualities because no one really wants to come across badly in front of people. So I think that's all that's really happening. And of course, if you're then on an interview, it's, televised with a live audience and then thousands watching on tv you're going Mm -hmm. to turn up the charisma not that it's not you but it's the best you that there is which i think is really really interesting but i find with colin that he's kind of like i don't see so much of um that like he's not really cracking jokes he's not really doing all that i think he's actually just kind of playing it very safe like he doesn't do anything ostentatious in interviews and in the video diaries he's mostly just bouncing off bradley he's not really taking the lead like bradley will kind of in like start a joke or he'll probably like set up the scenario that's going to happen and be like oh mate 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 like look like i'm going to turn the camera on yeah yeah, and then and then we'll do this and then and then colin just probably goes along with it and is like yeah "Yeah, sure i'm reminded now of this of this one gift set from that's been going around tumblr recently from the um excalibur uh behind the scenes video diaries thing with colin where they are looking at the uh, the black knight standing there and it's like about like they're going to set him on fire yeah. and Colin is like, yeah, you burn. have to burn for your sins or something. And then in the, in the, in the last, uh, give of this, of that set, he's just like joking. And then he's like, Oh no, I'm, I'm just kidding. And then he turns to the camera and like with a dead pad and with that face, like he's going to burn. <laughs> just like, just, I yeah. feel like that was part of Colin's actual humor shining through. Like, yes, that I can humor. totally see him be that dad pen and just be that sarcastic and yeah and have that kind of gallows humor i just like yeah i i totally believe that well this is the thing like a lot of colin we actually find out through the other people in his life like he doesn't say much about himself but we find out what colin is like from bradley from katie from angel from everyone that has worked with him and they obviously have such nice things to say about him but you're right momo about the humor because obviously even Bradley has said in the video diaries, like, when I first met him, I did not get his sense of humor. It's extremely dark. Like, it's really <laughs> fucked up. And, like, then you kind of see little snippets of, like, you know, jokes that he's making. And, like, it's just kind of like, wow, I didn't think that was hiding under there. <laughs> it's just so not what you'd expect, though, from someone that looks and sounds like him, who is very much like the introverted 
person and oh and I think it just goes to show how you know you don't really know you know like what people are thinking because it's just one of those things where yeah like you like hear people talking about how like twisted his humor is and you're like really but he's so t- small <laughs> like, <how> does- <laughs> not so much anymore but certainly during Merlin he was. well you know he's you know he's yeah. still you know you know he's no Chris Hemsworth but you know no, no he never will be that's uh, true but he's uh, but obviously another thing that everyone says about him is that he is just so positive all the time, which I think is just so nice to hear. Again, it's mostly through Bradley that we hear this because the guy can not spend two seconds like not talking about Colin. So he's just like, you know, saying how he's always, you know, everything is nice and great and positive And like he's the person that he'll go to if he needs to pick me up because he'll always be like, oh, everything's all right. You know. And it's just like, oh, my God, wouldn't you just love I mean, I I do kind of have people like that in my life. But like it like doesn't that just sound like amazing? <laughs> like just someone that's yeah. constantly like picking the situation up. That's just, just the best thing ever. Well, again, I think that comes from his own mindset and in the the way he looks at his acting um, yeah. as an art. But he's he's very inspired by the work in and of itself. So he gets very excited about it. And it's you know, that excitement is contagious. Exactly. Oh, he's just the cutest. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he is. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, his long list of projects and things he's worked on. Okay. So I've um, I've collected this off of various internet sources. So feel free to correct me at any time. Okay. Um, if I'm wrong. All right. So according to the internet. <laughs> oh dear. He. <laughs> Listen, the internet never lies. Oh, never. <laughs> Wikipedia is a credible source. Yeah, oh, just God. like the dragon. <laughs> Dragonpedia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to my incredibly in-depth and definitely not uh, wrong research. <laughs> he was discovered in 2006 or seven during his final year of the undergraduate course in Scotland. That's correct. It was uh, it was this his last semester at um, yeah the Royal Scottish Academy. And yeah, he was like a couple of months away from graduating, and then he was just like, nope, gotta well, go to London. No, actually, they were in London. Um, oh, they, they were, were doing in some sort of the, like the whole class was there for some sort okay. of re- they were doing some sort of review where they perform in front of. Uh, um, people who were looking for talent or um, ah, right. You know, that kind of stuff. So he was there for that, and um, he actually got that uh, script given to him on that day um, right. for, for Vernon Godlittle, and he yeah, ended up getting exactly. cast for it. Yeah. So there are also a couple of videos from projects he did while at school in, in Scotland. So, like, there's this um, there's this short thing called Jealousy. Nope, nope, nope. That is that was, not from then? It is not from then. I'd like to correct oh, that. That is actually um, the the two people who he is in that with were both classmates of his okay. from Royal Scottish Academy, but oh. those were that wasn't actually created until 2011. Oh, okay. So, it's still a fun little little. It video, is. I love that little uh, video. little film in. Uh, especially like like there's there's parts of Colin just sitting there trying to be impartial <laughs> it is, it's, it's then, hysterical i mean and he, he plays such a great straight man to the <laughs> to, to the roommate who's jealous and yeah. um and 
it, yeah, I, it's if you guys haven't seen it, go look it up on the internet yeah, because it's, it's hysterical. Yeah, it's, it's only it's four minutes of hilarity. Yeah, that one, that one is still um, available on YouTube, YouTube. Unlike nothing to confess, is that from from his time at? That in, is Scotland? actually from okay. his time in uh, like Scotland. Yeah, so nothing to confess is like him doing a monologue. Right. This it was actually part of a of a play called I Confess, and um, okay. it was done in um, in the Arches Theatre, which is defunct now, but it was in in Glasgow, and um, part of the crew was people from the university, and part of it was the players from that theatre, and um, the way it worked was. They had um, each actor had a five minute monologue and you would actually perform it one to one with um, with an audience member. So they would bring the audience downstairs. They had this all set up in the basement of the theater and they would split you up so that there was there was 20 actors and there was 20 um audience members and the audience member would move from station to station to station. So you were actually part of the monologue because they're literally speaking to you. So mm-hmm. in his case, you were the priest that he was um, confessing his yeah. sins to. Yeah. Um, so so if, that is, yeah, it's unfortunately that one, I could not find it in anywhere anymore. It's, it's been deleted from all sources that, yes. I, that I could originally find, but yeah. it's, that one is, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, he was it's only really nineteen. Amazing. He was only nineteen years old when yeah, that. Yeah, and and it's like him going, um, "I killed my ex girlfriend's new boyfriend." Just kidding. Or, and then he uh, goes on to blithely tell you about how he beat his girlfriend and how. Yeah, he, but but and, but he didn't have that to confess. He didn't think that he was wrong. It it was actually yeah. pretty terrifying because you walk in the room. He walks in the room, and he seems like this really jolly kind of kid, and then sits there and tells you about how he beat his girlfriend. But I never th- thought I'd ever be afraid of Colin, but yeah. with this clip, I was afraid of Colin. I was like. This no no <laughs> Colin stop it I believe you too much yeah. it's not you're you're doing too good a job <laughs> Please well and if you think now. about that 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 was several years before he was even on Merlin and he was yeah, already yeah. that good that's kind of impressive yeah yeah so yeah there are also a couple of Shakespeare readings that you can find uh, uh, online on YouTube like there's, Henry, there's a Henry lot of the stuff fourth I think that one was the he was doing yeah. Hal for, uh, Prince Hal from Henry the fourth I think is the the play yeah there is a there is a playlist on YouTube where like every other video has been deleted but the I rest know. of them are but the rest of them are still there and there's a lot of monologues on there to to watch if you just want to watch Colin audition for stuff or whatever. So, yeah, like we said, he had his first uh, theater role in Vernon Godlittle um, in 2007 in yeah. London. And then he did another play that year called All About My Mother. Yes. And then also in 2007, he had a cameo on the Catherine Tate show. <laughs> I have seen that. I have seen that. that. Is, I, th- I think all Colin fans have seen that because he's the gay son of Catherine Tate's character. Oh, and it's John, just so who's funny. a gay man now. Yes. <laughs> and the best part is probably him receiving that chocolate penis for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think the best part of that is after he says that and then his... his... He is, his grandmother was all like, yes. oh, what? 
And she's like, he's like, she says, it's true. And then she gives him a hundred bucks to go, you know. Find himself a Get nice yourself rent. a yes. rent, boy, on me. <laughs> yeah. And and him turning to her and is like, I'm a gay man now, Granny. <laughs> and like, but the, oh, gra- the grandmother's response just cracks me up every time I see it. Oh, my gosh. It's the hair in that that I find offensive, though. The hair, the hair is the hair disgusting. Is I can't look at it. I'm like, with that, I don't know, that, hair, that, that, that green striped shirt, point. though. The green striped oh. shirt, though, come on. That's not, that, I'm not a big fan of that either. I don't know how he managed to pick up a rent boy with that hair and that outfit. It it's, was just like. The, <laughs> just Ugh. the look. I, I love the look of confusion when he pulls the chocolate penis out of the gift bag. Are you it's sure you're like, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he looks at it and is like. What is happening? <laughs> well, if your mother gave that to you, I think you'd be a little bit a little bit confused as well. Oh yes, I would be. <laughs> like, mom. All right, and let's see. Then in two thousand and eight, there was another play, Prayer for My Daughter. Yes. And then he had a a role in Doctor Who, in which he was Jethro, in the episode Midnight, the emo boy. I think that is that is one of the reasons why there are a bunch of uh, modern age uh. fakes <laughs> in which Merlin is very emo. I feel like yes. that episode was the birth of that. <laughs> oh, that damn episode that spawned a million AUs. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, yes. moving on. In 2008, he also obviously worked on Merlin. <gasps> <Woo>! <laughs> which is how most of us found him. At 23 yes. years old, that is just insane. Like when well, I he was first... actually 20, he was actually only 22 when he got 22. that role. Oh. 22, yeah, he was 22 when he got that role. because well, when what I what a baby. Yeah, well that's because when I got into the show, I was 17. So at the time, I thought, oh, that's like, you know, like a like a good age to get like a you know good role like that or whatever because i was following a lot of actors who actually got a break quite early in their careers like i said like kate winslet and so and so forth but like now at age 25 (laughs) and granted it's a different time because people my age are more screwed over now than they ever were (laughs) before but it's like now i'm like Colin at age 25 was like a big star in a hit TV show and it's like wow (laughs) and And if you think think about that for a minute I mean by by series three weren't they they were syndicated in like 180 countries around the world they did San Diego I think season three as well yeah yes they did they did the San Diego comic-con the third fourth and fifth seasons so, um, talk about that's a big deal. up in the world, yeah. yeah, from a show that they didn't even yeah. know if they would make it to the air after, like, the first few episodes. Right. <laughs> just, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, good yeah. on them, you know. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's amazing. But, yeah, 20, 22. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know it's true, but I cannot see Matt Smith as Merlin. Maybe it's just because I'm used to seeing Colin as Merlin, but Matt Smith was the other finalist. Yeah. Along with... Along with Colin, as they, when it was down to the final two, he was the other one. Yeah. And I, I literally can't imagine Matt Smith playing Merlin. Well, I think it's one of those things where um, once you have someone that's perfect for a role, you can't imagine it otherwise. And this happened right. as well, obviously, when they uh, did 
uh, Back to the Future. And with Colin, I think you can't imagine it because he did get it. But I can see what they mean because when I listen to interviews of them talking about Matt Smith as a contender, you can see what they're talking about because he's like, he has this weightlessness to him and yet right. you feel like he could have lived a long time, which is why he got the role of the Doctor, no doubt, because that's exactly right. what you need. Yeah. Um, he, The Doctor is kind of like a Merlin-esque character in that sense of this wise person that's lived right. all this time, but he was but too thing- old. But the, yes, yes. But the other thing that I think is, I can't imagine Matt Smith having the same kind of chemistry with Bradley. And oh. I just mean on a, on a straight actor level, I because that really is the heart and soul of Merlin is the relationship between Merlin and Arthur. And I just cannot see that they would have had the same. Well, of course, they're not going to have the same chemistry, but that they would have had as strong a chemistry. I completely agree with you. I just think that the the whole. The chemistry, I think, between Bradley and Colin was just one of those things where it was like lightning in a bottle and like right. you can't. And I think because they are so opposite, it just worked like and right. we yeah. talked about this before um, on the podcast. Maybe not, but definitely in private. I've talked about this where like you on paper, it absolutely shouldn't work. And you, normally these things don't work. Like I don't really believe in opposites attract. I think that you need to have enough in common to build some kind of relationship. But here right. it's just like. They would never have met in any other facet of life. Like he's into football, Colin's into like kind of like art and like more. Well, we don't really know what Colin's into, let's be honest. But he's <laughs> definitely not into football because we know that he didn't really hang out with like the Knights and like Bradley right. and they were doing all the football league stuff. But like I think that, yeah, it just shouldn't work. Someone being so out there and someone being so introverted. And yet like they just kind of like just magic happened and like yeah right. bradley do... they just they just played off each other it's so beautifully insane. yeah you know, um you know colin would kind of tone down bradley's zaniness and yeah. uh, you know uh, bradley would draw out colin's you know humor so it ah. actually worked really well for them yeah the, um there's a there's a an interview that bradley did um i think it was a radio interview and it's my favorite like thing that has ever been said about Colin I just like because I just it just encapsulates their relationship for me and like why I think it works so well on the show they were on a train back from somewhere and they were (laughs) yeah you know and they were so whacked that they like Colin was basically asleep next to him and um Bradley was talking to somebody else and he and he told a joke the person he was talking to didn't laugh but Colin woke up and went (laughs) I just (laughs) laughed Oh yeah, I remember hearing that story. (laughs) He just finished the interview with going, "Oh my god, we're a couple of weirdos." (laughs) I was just like, "That for me is basically why Merlin succeeded was because of that interaction." I just love it so much. Very true. So what did Colin do after Merlin? We never heard from him. Well, actually, he did a few things. He did a few things between Merlin. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna skip ahead to 2010. Yeah. When he did Parked, a yeah. movie in which uh, he played a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I need to start uh, a tally now because Colin once played a queer character in uh, in Catherine Tate's show. Yes. And also Parked, first movie in which he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I forgot to say, spoiler alert, movie yes. in which he dies. <laughs> <laughs> You did warn him in advance, I, yes. True. I did I did a Colin movie binge watch 
on Friday afternoon. I watched four movies in a row, and he died on screen in two of them. <laughs> and in the other two, he played historical figures who died in history later on. <laughs> So 100% of Colin's characters are dead. <laughs> he's gotten better. I mean, for a while, I thought he was going to be the next generation Sean Bean, but he's actually getting better <laughs> where he's not dying from all his projects anymore. I mean, he didn't He didn't die in Doctor Who. He didn't. No, he didn't. You know, he didn't die in Doctor Who. And he hasn't died, from what I know about the plays so far, he hadn't died in any of those yet. But that's going to change. In 2011. Yes. He did uh, a play called Our Private Life, yes. which is the second time he plays a queer character. Mm -hmm. And he did the movie Island, yes, which I don't know anything about because I haven't seen it. Yeah, Island. I was meant to watch Island when it came out, and I still haven't got around to watching Island. <laughs> and I actually bought the book that it's based on, and I never read it. Uh... <laughs> well done, Rox. Well, he's actually not the main character. He's like the second main character. Oh, okay. the, the, the woman... Um, the young woman who comes to his island um, in they they live in Scotland, um, and yes, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert in advance. Um, it, the woman comes to the island to kill her mother, and Ooh. turns out that her mother is also Colin's character's mother. So they're half brother and half sister. Okay. Um, and yes, so his character is probably the best way to describe it would probably be autistic. Mm -hmm. um, with some anger management issues. Ooh. So, um, but he does not die. Wow. However, well done, Colin. however, spoiler alert, <laughs> he does kill his mother. Ooh, Colin the killer. I mean, he seems to like to take, take films and do the exact opposite of what you're used to seeing him on Merlin as. So if you're going into oh, the yeah. movie thinking, yay, we're going to have this happy go lucky Merlin. No, 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 no. So moving on to 2012, in yes. which he played a, this is a direct quote from Wikipedia, a flamboyant dance instructor. <laughs> yes. In a, in a production called Step in Time. Yes. Uh, which was a play. And I couldn't find any information on this play. Like, okay. So that, that was um, once a year, the old Vic Theater does a thing called the 24-hour plays. And yes. what it is is a bunch of film uh, uh, writers and choreographers and actors get together and they basically have 24 hours to put together a, 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 um, a play. And yes. this year that Colin did it, it was musicals. So they did four, I think, mini plays. So it was like a 10-minute play or whatever. Um, and his character, Gary, was the flamboyant dance instructor who actually was pretending to be gay so that people would take him seriously. But he actually wasn't. Oh, okay. Because I was like going off of the uh, flamboyant description, like the emphasis on flamboyant. Is he another queer character? But no, he's not. He's a fake queer character. Yeah. And from the other thing I know is that he's trying to win the heart of one of his students. Well, it's more that she has a crush on him. Ah, and okay. um, that is sort of the impetus as to finally why he comes out and says that he's ah, not. Okay. Um, she, she liked him. She was pretending to be Polish and she wasn't. See, that was the play was all about being something or pretending to be something you're not. And everybody yeah. ends up, you know, revealing who they really are. 
And okay. so she she's pretended like she didn't know how to speak English for the most part and that she was Polish. Okay. And then she admits she's not. And then he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not actually gay either. So okay. they end up together. Yes. Rox, are you only pretending to be Polish? I mean, I'm not pretending, but I do pretend that I can't speak English when people try to ask for money for charity in the street. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately, it bit me in the ass one time because the guy asked me, where you, where do you come from? And I said, Poland, Poland. And he started talking Polish to me. <laughs> I should have remembered where I lived. All right. In 2013, he did two plays because now he's done with Merlin. So he has more time exactly. to be on stage. And in 2013, he also did Mojo, in which he played a character called Skinny Luke. And yes, he dies. Yes, he does. <sighs> now, he also, in 2013, did Quirk. Yes. I was not sure how to pronounce it. If it's Quirk or Quirky. No, quirk. it's, it's okay. Quirk, yeah. It's Quirk. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did one episode. Like, that's a TV show, and he did one episode, right? Right. It was more like a miniseries. They did three okay. um, hour-long miniseries-type programs. Um, okay. And, um, yes, his his was the third of the three. Okay. Does he die? Um, no, he does not die. Oh, amazing. And then he started a recurring role uh, with the second season of The Fall, playing with Gillian Anderson, yes. which, from what I read, um, the producer, writer, someone, and Gillian Anderson specifically went to see Colin to ask him to be on the show. Is that correct? I did hear that. I don't know how true it is, but I did hear that okay. as well. Or at least they, they met and, and discussed it. And I yes, I and wanted... I, know that, I know that he was thrilled about the idea of working with them as well. I know he was very excited about working with Alan Cubitt, who is the writer um, of the yeah. show. And I started, I watched the very first episode of The Fall, mm-hmm. and I realized I couldn't watch this show. Yeah. it's Which is it's... very disappointing, because I wanted to see, because from all the, pictures and gift sets i've seen colin is fucking hot in that show um yes yes he is <laughs> why couldn't <laughs> you re- watch it i really want to see the fall it, i haven't seen it yet okay but okay i now i let me let me tell you why i couldn't watch it because um it's uh it's a show where from the very beginning you as the audience like it's it's about jillian anderson who is hunting a mass rapist and murderer yeah and he rapes and murders women and from the very beginning you know who it is you know who the the criminal mm-hmm. is who the rapist is and you actually watch him commit these crimes oh. you watch him rape and murder a woman while Gillian Anderson is trying to figure out who it is they're hunting and you also see him in his like not criminal life like with his wife and his children yeah and i just i could not watch this because it just it it made me sick to my stomach oh that's so sad i thought it was like i didn't realize they shot like because i knew it was like a cop drama i didn't realize it was um that they like were showing all of the murders and stuff i just assumed it would be like a mystery oh that's it's it's not it's it's not a bloody murder it's not a bloody murder but it's still it's all pretty graphic and i just like i I honestly I felt close to to throwing up by the end of the first episode and I was like nope I can't I can't physically watch this like I might just find uh 
uh, all the scenes of Colin and watch just Colin's scenes. Yeah, I need to try and like, because I have seen a couple of scenes of him in the fall, but I really want to watch more just because. Um, and well, I mean, we're going to talk about this, but I feel like he, uh, like, we rarely get to see him in like, no- quote unquote, normal stuff, like just yeah, TV right. that's like, yeah, like just like well, this was the this was the first time that yeah. we actually got to hear him act in his natural voice yeah yeah well very close to i would say it's not exactly his accent it's more of a belfast accent versus yeah i mean but it's pretty close yeah what's his what's his accent in parked because he's also okay i mean at least it's irish yes but (laughs) But it's very different different. yeah it's i watched i watched park without subtitles and sometimes i had difficulties understanding him i will admit (laughs) It's a very um, thick accent. It, I would almost so. put, it's, this is going to sound strange, but it's almost like um, the Cockney version of Irish, if that makes sense. It's <laughs> okay. very, it's very accent to me. It's hard to understand. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, from what I've seen, his accent in the fall, it, it is definitely him, but it has a bit of, um, Colin uh, speaks relatively eloquently, or at least that's what I've kind of seen. I feel like the accent he's got in the fall, it, it's, it's got a bit of an edge to it where it feels a little bit more colloquial. Like it's not quite as pristine as his natural voice. And, right. but again, I'm sure when he's, you know, with the lads and stuff, he sounds a lot more like, you know, kind of <laughs> like the rest of us. And then when he's in interviews, he probably, you know, speaks a lot nicer, but um, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I, uh, yeah. One of the things that Colin seems to do, he loves accents. Um, yes. I know we'll get, we'll probably get to this afterwards and he has a very, a very good ear for them. So he goes the extra mile when it comes to things like this. So yes, the accent that he has on the fall is not his natural accent. It's very close to it, but that's definitely a Belfast accent. Yeah, so absolutely. he actually went, took the trouble to actually make sure he added things to his accent to make it sound like it's Belfast because that's where it takes place. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So let's move on to 2014, in which she did Testament of Youth, yes. and spoiler, he dies. Yes, yes. <sighs> but anyone who's read the book would know that because it's a, a, yeah. is playing a historical character. So right. yeah, happy movie. I watched that on Friday. <laughs> yes, that was, it's a very powerful and sad movie. Yes. So in 2015, he started Humans. Yes. In which he's still alive. I mean, technically, his character sort of died and then was brought back to life by becoming a half robot um but he's still alive now yes uh humans is uh, has now two seasons aired with the third season to be expected next year i believe nope nope they've had all three seasons now oh have we had three seasons oh yes we've had three seasons already yes that's true are we getting a fourth one we don't know um okay my guess would be maybe not, but um, mm. just because I think Colin let it slip in an interview where that that he had a, a contract for three seasons, um, right. and I would suspect that a lot of the other ones had, uh, you know, main characters had a you know three season contract. So if they're going to bring it back, they're going to have to renegotiate contracts. So so another project of that year was the movie Legend, in which he played with Tom Hardy, and it's a movie about the Cray twins. Who, if you don't know this were um, criminal twins who basically terrorized London in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Colin has a very minor role in this. Uh, his, like, his, this char- his character's sister actually is, the, uh, is one of the main protagonists. Like, she's the narrator of the 
of the movie and she also we, married one of the twins yes she married one of the twins right it's a very graphically violent movie right. and uh yeah if you can't if you can't see those things don't like rocks you definitely should not watch it good and colin colin isn't even in it that much like you're not actually missing any big colin things apart from him looking cute in 60s outfits but you can see pictures for that honestly it's just yeah. like honestly you're not you're you're not missing anything and in 2016 he did the living and the dead oh wait 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 we, we've skipped some stuff oh my god what did we skip okay um well let's see he also did um he did the the bbc4 radio broadcast for good omens Okay, because we actually missed one. He actually did one in 2009 um, that was called um, – oh, gosh. I can't even think of the name of it right now. Oh, my goodness. I'm a bad fan. Um, fake, fake, fan. Fan. fake fan. <laughs> Sorry, that's my thing. I like to just do that to people. <laughs> it's, it's called Crybabies, oh, Cry and he's in the, the last – episode of that um and that i think you can find that on youtube i think someone actually has that on youtube um but he did that in 2009 and then this one um good omens it was a big production actually um where they did um they did a uh, dramatization on bbc4 mm -hmm. for for christmas for the christmas week um and uh he played uh, newt uh, Pulsifer, and he's actually hysterical. So it's it's definitely worth listening to because it's very funny. Okay. And then 2016 was a busy year for Colin mm -hmm. because that's when he did the TV series The Living in the Dead, yes. which sadly got cancelled after one season. But, I, I mean, I personally find Colin in that very attractive. I know Rox doesn't like him because of the beard. Oh, but I, 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 find, I find him very attractive in that one. Mm. Also, this is when... This is when we learned that Colin now is ripped. <laughs> well, he can't be when he wants to be. In, I think he's shirtless in every episode of that show. <laughs> Thank you, Alice Trotton. That's all I can say. <laughs> and I love these behind-the-scenes uh, videos and gift sets of, like, some of the, like, people, like, costume people just using a water spray bottle to make his hair look, keep looking wet and just... Between scenes, know, right. And yeah, and just like basically just spraying Colin with water the entire time. Just like I like every Colin fan I've ever met was like, I want that job. Yes, <laughs> yes, that and the hair fluffer. That's that's another yeah. good job. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was the Living in the Dead. So in 2016, he also had a cameo in Snow White and the Huntsman. Actually, it's uh, the second one. That's the first movie he was in. The Huntsman Winter's War. That's true. Yes. You are very, you are very right that he was in the second, in the second movie. Yes, and if and, linked, you would miss him. Yeah, honestly, it's a, it's a very short role. Also, spoiler, he dies. Yep, it, two, two, two scenes, and he dies in one of them. Yeah, not in the first one, but in the first one, he looks very pretty. Yes, he does, and it looks yeah. like he borrowed that coat from Arthur. This this blink and miss moment has been used in many a gift set on Tumblr yes, for for Canon AUs. Yes. For Merlin the Royal Consort. Yes, a lot of those. And then, if I'm not wrong, there was also the short film The Laughing King. Yes, that actually was in 2015. But yes. 
Um, okay, yeah. yeah. So he did that. Which, he did that after he finished filming Humans that year. So I I don't think that has been released yet, has it? It has. Um, they okay. did, it wasn't released in theaters. It. They they um, but it's oh, okay. it's it was released online, and it's it's okay. um, you can actually find it by searching for it. Um, it has its own website. Um, okay, I it, should watch it. I haven't, it's, I haven't seen it yet. It's actually fantastic. Um, it's okay. about a, um, a, a young man who is seriously depressed and thinking about taking his own life and how, you know, a chance meeting changes your life. And it's definitely worth watching. So he doesn't die. No. Spoiler alert. Wow. He doesn't die. But he tries. <laughs> or, oh, his plan, he plans to. But he doesn't actually end up doing <laughs> he it. He intends to die and then doesn't. Yes, exactly. But it's okay. it's actually fantastic. He has he has he has yeah. very little very little um actual dialogue. Well, he has a few, but most of it is is all pure body language acting and and yeah, yeah. it's it's very um emotional. So okay. definitely definitely worth a watch. Um, I think yeah. it's I think like I said, if you search for it, it's easily found. It has its own website. Okay. Amazing. And then in 2017, he did Gloria, a play. Yes, he did. And um, I don't want to give away too much about the play because I feel like this actually has to be experienced unless we've already talked about this on the podcast before and I forgot. But well, um, the thing is, is that no one's going to be able to see the play now because <laughs> it's over. I mean, so I don't think it's I mean, other I mean, Gloria is on like there are other places. I think it's on in, in D.C., for example, you can you can watch it. It's right. just not with Colin. You just right. can't watch it with Colin ever right. again. Uh, he survives this one. Yes. <laughs> Although just barely, I should say he only survives it barely and with a lot of trauma. Yes. From it. Yes. So. And yes, and he then, affects yeah. he affects a very very convincing New Jersey accent. By the way. See, I hear very different opinions on this. I hear very different. Like some people say his accent is convincing. Other people say no, it's not convincing. I feel like this depends on very like depends very much on. What day you've seen it? Like maybe some days that his might accent be true. was that better might be than true. others, and also probably what part of New Jersey you're from. True. I mean, I literally <laughs> have relatives that live in upstate New Jersey, very close to New York City, which is where his character would have been from, and they yeah. sound just like that. So okay. at least when he when he was on, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's a very difficult accent coming from a Northern Irish person to start out with, <laughs> um, but when he was doing it well, it was absolutely convincing. And then, of course, the, yeah. the third act of the play where he pulls out the um, the surfer dude um, California accent is, is, is absolutely hysterical. And, yeah, I had Waiting for You down for 2017, but it still hasn't been released yet. It actually has now. Um, they oh, it has. Yeah, well, um, at, at festivals, but not... No, 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 it has. No, nope, it has. Oh, really? Um, yeah, they released okay. it in the UK in movie theaters at the end of October of this year. Or, or I should say, when this podcast airs of 2018. Um, yes. And it is now available on Sky. Ah, okay. So now it is. Yes, it did, it did the um, film festival route for about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and like I said, just it had a, a limited release in theaters um, okay. at the end of October. I mean, I can yeah. at least say I've seen it because it did come to a um, to a film festival not too far from where I live. So I got to see it ah. last year. 
Um, okay. And it's it's a good movie. It's not a oh my god, let's win all the Oscars movie at all. Um, but it is it's sort of a thriller. Um, there's a lot of mystery involved. But let me put it this way: oh my god, his character is just so pretty. I did get <laughs> He's that lovely to look at from He's the trailers. I was like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, let's not let's not spoil this one for whether or not he dies or anything else because okay. I think most of us haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I won't. Um so let's not let's not spoil this one. Um but good to know that he's pretty because that's one of the like that's one of the draws for me for Colin. Like I don't often find him pretty. When I do find him pretty, he's pretty. Yeah, I mean the care the 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 camera loves him in this film. And there's a lot of close-ups and stuff. I mean, and of course, you get to watch him do his face acting. He's so good at that. But, yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's definitely wor- worth watching just to look at him. Amazing. And now we are in 2018. Mm-hmm. And he did a play called Translations, which was actually set in Ireland. It was about, like, translating Gaelic like street signs to English or something like that? What that, what that was about, um, the play was about the um, British taking over Ireland and what they wanted to do yeah. is they wanted to anglicize all of the names yeah. of the places in Ireland right. from the Gaelic to English. Yeah. And um, Ka- uh, Colin's character, Owen, um, is attached to the regiment that is in his hometown area um doing these translations and um so there's a big dichotomy between the english and him kind of being on the english side of things and then his family and friends who are you know still kind of set in the old ways and um you know he his character doesn't realize until too late um that what he's doing is actually you know hurting his people Uh, yeah he also did, oh, well, at least it was relieved, uh, released Happy Prince. Yes. Yay, which yeah, I actually went to see at the Curzon and I really enjoyed it. It was one of the movies I watched on Friday. So um, I now also have seen The Happy Prince, which is, for those who don't know, a movie about the last years of Oscar Wilde after he was re- released from prison and uh, his relationship with the people in his life, but also especially... Bosey, played by Colin, who was his um, on again, lover. On again, off again, lover, on again, yes. off again. Yeah, but like the the most prominent yes lover. And I I, I think the transformation is amazing. Um, mm. um, that's I know we'll get to this, but I think that Colin, um, one of his gifts is being able to disappear into a role. Yeah. And you know, you look at. A character like Tom Anderson from The Fall or um, and then Nathan from The Living and the Dead and then Merlin and then Bosey from The Happy Prince. And it's, it's almost it's hard to imagine that this these are all the same person acting these these roles. Yeah. yeah, this is literally like my thing with Colin is I and and this what I look for in any actor is I want to I want them to be a chameleon. But I find some actors do it but I can still see them in there like and this is gonna sound sacrilegious but I think Meryl Streep like she is acting a lot of the time like acting TM whereas I feel like 
for some people like Colin, it comes naturally. Like he just can change. The Happy Prince is really great. I um the movie itself is like has flaws, but um Colin's performance is really really great, and he yeah he just completely disappears into this cat. Like I. I was waiting for his appearance, like throughout the whole thing. It's why I went to see the movie. Like I, like I like Oscar Wilde and stuff, but I like I don't really care about the movie that much. I just wanted yeah. to go and watch it. I still enjoyed myself, but yeah, Colin's performance is just amazing. And um, again, no spoilers. I mean, it's a fairly recent film, so I'm not going to spoil it or anything. But hit like even his entrance into the movie for me was just amazing. And I went to see it with a friend of mine. And I like grabbed her, like grabbed her arm, and I was like. Colin, it's Colin, and then I realized no, it's not Colin, it's Bozy. Like there's no yeah. Colin there. Like yeah, there is no Colin in in Bozy. No like Colin, and no. like Bozy. I've written it down in my notes, but I find the only time that Colin like betrays himself like as Colin and he can't help this obviously, but it's when he smiles. Like he literally like <laughs> I see Colin when he smiles like in everything and i'm like oh actually i'll say i see merlin like i which sounds bizarre because it's the first thing i obviously saw him in but i feel like like when bozy appears in the happy prince for the first time and there's that like, he gives you that, that great that smile. smile yeah and obviously my heart melted but i was like oh it's merlin <laughs> like it just made me think of merlin <laughs> even though he doesn't look anything like him but um i feel right. like his smile just kind of he can't hide that like that is that is him but yeah he is he is very very good in this movie and um yeah very much uh like his his pitch his voice is just wonderful i love what he did with his mannerisms um fantastic i found bozy a very interesting character like i think i i would have to rewatch the movie to kind of get like because obviously his character is really set up uh to be kind of like um the savior in a way like for uh for oscar like to save him and get him out of this like slump that he's been and then the movie kind of subverts our expectations as to what kind of person he really is and that actually maybe he he's he can't really be trusted and he's not all that he's cracked up no he's actually yeah he he is set up as the savior but then he turns out to be the villain he turns out to be the judas Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. really interesting and i mean if we're going to talk about pretty i mean he's really never been prettier although i'm not really too keen on the blonde see i like i mean i like colin just the way he is but i will say that i also very much dig the blonde yeah i mean i the blonde's not my favorite i definitely like him dark haired better but i think he pulled it off well um yeah. and you know his fair skin kind of made that work yeah this he is the was. thing because he is so irish yes i feel like they should have like tanned him or something because i feel like he was too like he clearly wasn't born with that blonde hair sort of thing you know yeah. like his blue eyes and his very pale skin In and his some... very irish features yeah in some in some of the scenes you could tell that they did use some tanning on him but yeah in general he still was pretty fair there you go and then there was this other project uh called benjamin which also yes. came out this year i know nothing about it to be honest well um it's other uh, than i think simon amstel directed it or he, he wrote it, it or yep. simon amstel wrote and directed it um yeah. and um yeah it was filmed in 2017 um and um was just re- just shown at the london film festival um in october mm-hmm. um 
There is plans, supposedly, for it to be released in movie theaters in 2019, but we don't have um, plans. They, they haven't released when yet. Mm-hmm. Um, his character, it, it, it's, his, it's sort of based on Simon Amstel himself. So, yes, Benjamin is gay. Spoiler alert. That's not really a spoiler alert because, I mean, if it's Simon Amstel, you kind of had to know that. Um, but that's a third. That's a third queer character now, for Colin. Fourth. Fourth. Yeah, Tabby Prince. Right. Yes. Fourth. I I I blinked on Bosie. Yes, the fourth. Yes. Obviously. Okay. Yes. Um, but yes. So um, his character Benjamin is uh he is showing his second film at the London Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, after his first film was was um, very very successful, so he's kind of you know very nervous about his second showing. And in the middle of all this, um, he you kind of get the character. The character is very neurotic. He's um, also very insecure. And mm-hmm. um, so in the middle of all of that, he kind of ends up running into the guy of his dreams. And so you've got mm-hmm. him trying to deal with all of this insecurity about his about his um, his professional life, but also he kind of feels personally like he doesn't know how to be in a relationship. And then he mm-hmm. meets this guy that he really, really likes. And so you've got the, the love story going on, you know, at the same time as all of this other stuff. And, um, yeah. you know, how does he juggle the two and um, does he make a mess of it? And the answer to that, and this is not really a spoiler, is sort of yes, because, again, <laughs> you, if you look at, Simon Amstel and the kind of stuff that he does, um, his work tends to be based on fact, but also he likes to take things that are embarrassing, things that everybody can relate to, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I just gave that that speech with spinach in my teeth. Not that that happened mm-hmm. in the movie, it doesn't, but <laughs> but um, but that sort of thing. And But everybody mm-hmm. can relate to that kind of um, embarrassing moments and the, those sort of uncomfortable moments, but he takes that and he kind of turns it and makes it funny, and it's funny because okay. people can relate to it. So, um, okay. so anyway, so that's that's basically the idea of that film, and it okay. should be we should be seeing that in movie theaters in 2019. So we have that in 2019 to look forward to, as well yep. as another play called All Our Sons. Yes, which I think he's doing in May. Uh, it's opening um, April 15th, and it's running okay. June 8th at yeah, the so, Old Vic yeah. Theater. I know I know. friends of mine are going in May, so that's that's mm-hmm. why I had May. Yeah, so April to June. And then, like, there's also this movie he filmed called The Rising, and I think it's supposed to be released next year. It was. It's not been filmed yet. Oh, it's not um, he's been, been filmed yet. No, okay. He's been attached to that program, that that okay. um, project since 2014, but there's still it's an independent film, and they're still trying to raise funds to make it. But oh, as far as we know, okay. he is still attached to that film, and if it does get made, okay. he does have the main role as um, Sean uh, McDermott, um, who is a uh, a figure in the uh, 1916 um, I. The, Easter Rising in Ireland, which was okay. the very beginnings of the um, road to independence for Ireland. Um, right. So okay. he will cool. fill that role if he ever, if they ever do make that movie. He's amazing. Just, cause, yeah. Um, yeah. When he was at, he did a Q and A for um, 
waiting for you in October. And he said something to the effect that he had more, um, more radio. He had a filming project. We don't know what the filming project is. And so that is probably going to, we'll probably find out more about that once he's completed it because, you know, he never talks about any of his projects unless he absolutely has to. Um, but apparently there is something that he's going to be filming between now and, um, March when he starts doing, um, um, rehearsals for the play. Um, yeah. he's been doing a lot of radio, um, and yeah. voiceover. He recently did a, um, voiceover for a, um, program for BBC Northern Ireland that was basically all about the Mourn Mountains, which are the, they, they were the, um, um, the C.S. Lewis, uh, Narnia novels. That was the, mm. that's where he, that's supposedly where Narnia was set. That was his uh, idea of C.S. Lewis as he was from Belfast, I believe. So, um, they took, um, a year in the life basically of this, um, this area of Northern Ireland and he did all the voiceover for it. Um, that just recently showed on BBC Northern Ireland. Um, he's also done several projects where he did, uh, last year he did, um, the Merchant of Venice will on BBC Four Radio. Um, okay. Let's see what else? As far as um, audio, he also he also has recently recorded a podcast called um, Passenger List that Kelly Marie Tran, who is in in the yes, Star yes. Wars movies, um, is also in. Um, it's it's in process now. They're they're doing the the sound the sound work on it now. We should be hearing about that in the next couple of months. Um, but it's it's a podcast. I think it's going to be released on Panoply. Um, so that's something that he's he did this fall. Um, he also is going to be in um another BBC Four radio broadcast on is it Christmas? You know, it's Boxing Day. So this will have already happened by this by the time this airs, but I'm sure it'll still be available. Um, of it's uh, Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. And he is playing um, Loki. Ooh, oh my god! Is, okay, this is looks for it. This is amazing because I have in my um, on my Tumblr. I um, I can dig it up, but there's a uh, uh, art piece by someone that photoshopped like all the Merlin characters as Avengers and and it's Brolin's. It, uh, oh, is it Rue? Yeah, I think like Rue definitely did a. Thor sort of AU in which Arthur is Thor and Merlin is Loki. Yeah, well Merlin was Loki in this uh in this thing and he's in the green and looking amazing. So yeah, that's actually quite cool. We'll like link that scene because <laughs> that seems to be pretty uh, uh pretty relevant. So So um so that like I said that will probably still be available um by the time this airs, but I know that um that it was it would it would be released worldwide. Um, because it's, it's, it's radio. So any place in the world will be able to hear it, but, uh, usually they keep those on, on the site for a while after they air them, or if not, they'll re-release them. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. That sounds fantastic also. Um, so I think, I think that's all. It's just that the, um, he was just recently up for an award. I don't know if you guys knew about that. Uh, I did. Wasn't it like a theater award? It was. He was actually nominated for um, for his character in translations, and he was up against some big name people. So, um, along with his nomination, he was nominated alongside people like Sir Ian McKellen and Ooh. Ray Fiennes and wow. um, 
and Brian Cranston and um oh gosh I'm so sorry um uh, Alex Stoller I'm sorry I I whoever knows the, knows that play I'm sorry in advance for not remembering his name but those were the <laughs> five and uh Ray Fiennes ended up winning that but yes he was in in that league with those people That's as amazing. Uh, as uh, best actor um so mm-hmm. you know I definitely think we're going to have you know more of those sorts of things to come because um, I don't know how many plays that you guys have gotten a chance to see of his, but, um, but he has, for the amount of charisma that you see on screen, he has 10 times that in person. Um, he just has uh, this quality when he's on stage that you can't take your eyes off in him. And that's not just because you want to look at him. It's just, it's just, he's <laughs> so magnetic that, uh, um, yeah. that he just draws you to watch what he's doing. Um, well, that's a nice segue because we're about to talk about his acting. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, that's a- yeah. That's one of the things I really love about Colin is that he, you know, he is not too big to take any role. Oh yeah. You know, so he'll do voiceover, he'll do radio, he'll do a podcast, he'll do whatever, as long as he's acting, he doesn't care. Exactly. I think that's and I, great. Yeah, and um, you know, it does give us an opportunity. He never stops working. He never stops working. He's always yeah. got something in the pot. Well, it makes me wonder, like, you know, and I don't know much about this kind of stuff, but, you know, maybe he's not, like, you know, super well off. Like, maybe he's just kind of regular person wage, like, because he's not doing, like, big blockbuster films. He's doing films that aren't making, like, a huge amount of profit and not a lot of people are going out to see them. So maybe he just works all the time because he needs to work all the time, like, because he just wants to do the films he wants to do, but he's not necessarily doing projects that are making him a huge amount of money right i mean i think that to a certain extent that might be true i think i I think he's probably living comfortably but yes i think he still has to continue to work but yes i think he's made a conscious choice to choose quality over over you know bankability um that he wants to do something that people are excited about and that he's excited about whether or not it's going to make oodles of money or make him famous yeah exactly colin's style and character selection i mean we touched on this before but like my impression is that he certainly likes the tortured ones and the ones that present a challenge yes he definitely seems to be big on whatever role he takes challenging him in some way um Mm -hmm. pushing him outside of his comfort zone these are things that he said in interviews that um that he reads a part and he wants to see what it makes him feel what does it do mm-hmm. to him when he reads it? And if it if it clicks with him in the gut, like it, it you know, um, it makes that connection immediately, then he knows he wants that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he definitely is someone who um, likes challenges, and it definitely seems that a lot of the characters that he play has some sort of um, emotional trauma, if not physical trauma, or both. Um, he definitely seems to get into that. But I think, again, it has to do more with um, stretching himself as um, as an artist. So like, for example, um, The Living and the Dead, you know, he's he's a widower or he's remarried, but he was a widower. Um, again, sorry, sort of spoiler alert, but not really. Um, his son dies tragically. Um, that yeah. happened prior to 
the series starting and that has to do with what happens during it. So I'm not really giving away a spoiler here, but, um, so he's got all this grief that he has to deal with. Um, so there's always these different kind of, you can, you can see what, what might be attracting him to that role. And in that case, obviously you can see it was the trauma of this character and, and how that plays out through, um, the, the events of that uh, series. But, um, yeah, it seems to be more emotionally driven and how, how much it's going to challenge him. Um, mm-hmm. when he did, um, Testament of Youth, for example, not only did he read stories that were written by people who were in the trenches during the war, but he actually went to, um, a, a house for the blind for, uh, veterans. And they actually did this tour where um, they blindfolded him. So he actually went through the experience of being blind for a couple of hours. And he said that it was, it, it was mind blowing because he says your, your mind makes up details. None of these things that Colin researched in order to get a feeling for this character were actually applicable to what was going to happen in the movie to this character, but he wanted to get a feeling for the character because so he, he wanted to research. right because he wanted to yeah. understand the mindset of this person. Yeah, so exactly. you know, for for example, he wanted to understand what it was like to lose your vision. What mm-hmm. does that do to you as a person? Mm-hmm. You know, being in the trenches and having gone through all of that, what would that do to your psyche as a person? So, um, so he does put a lot of research into his roles. Um, I know when he got the part for Tom Anderson on the fall that, um, he was trying to get some information from, um, from police officers about interrogation techniques. Um, didn't he even stop one on the street? Yes. (laughs) Yes, he did. So, like I said, he really, really goes into great detail you know um researches all of the different factors that would make that person the way they are sort of like you know like bozy he had to knowing that that you know um bozy is relatively infamous um and you know has a bad reputation in history he had to try and figure out based on um what he knows how the person if you were bozy how what he did would make sense Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it, without being a a storybook villain. Exactly. Um, Which is know, so, so important. Yeah. Just for any villain, it's really important. Um, but I, I will say, though, with Colin, I obviously have also noticed that he does seem to pick these really kind of tortured or um, uh, difficult TM roles, you know. Yes. And I think that I, like I said earlier, wish we saw more of the kind of stuff he was doing in the fall because I recently read um, a biography about James Cameron because he's just one of my favorite people on earth. And I uh, was reading about his conversations with Leo DiCaprio when he was trying to get him to play Jack Dawson. You know, he was um, uh, not really doing it right, not selling it. And James basically sat down with him and he was like, look, you're looking for an acting crutch. You're looking for a tick or a mental illness or something. It's not there. This is the hardest role you are ever going to play in your life because you are the everyman. And once he told him that, he actually perked up and he was like, oh, no, you're right. And of course, he does it flawlessly. But it's hard because he's just an ordinary person who has to 
charm every human being in the audience without it coming across as uh, fake. He's completely right. genuine in that film. And I sometimes when I look at, at Colin's repertoire, I wonder if maybe he isn't looking for an acting crutch in every single role that he seems to be choosing. There's something there is, like we said, there's a tick, there's something wrong with them. And it's like, I wonder if he'll just kind of move past that phase and start doing things that are kind of challenging on a less obvious level. That may be true. I mean, I, like I say with him, this most recent role with um, Benjamin, um, it's a very different role from what he's done. Yes, the character still has its flaws, but it's flawed in a, diff- in a different way. And um, and it's a ve- it's a comedic role, which we haven't right. seen him do basically since Merlin. And I, I've heard he's very funny. Um, so I would think at least with this with this role with Benjamin, definitely it's it's a different role than we've seen him do in a lot of other things. Um, so yes, there is a certain amount of tragedy because, like I said, he's just awkward. But, um, you know, there's, spoiler alert, no deaths or any, like, wild, crazy, horrific things going on. Um, and so there, there is a little more, you know, of the, you get to see his character. It's more character driven, not, not as much grief or, or, um, tragedy driven. I think actors probably a lot of like I think it's probably quite normal for that to occur with actors because you know it's it's you know something that they can sink their teeth into but I mean yeah right. like we said sometimes it's harder to not be dramatic you know right. um but obviously he 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 does love that and you know got to do a lot of that on uh, on Merlin I wonder if he knew um the the dark places he'd have to go to in Merlin when he signed on, because of course, you know, it really changed <laughs> as it went on. And I'm sure he probably was, um, uh, enjoyed the new challenges that came with the season five Merlin that maybe he didn't have in season one. But, um, yeah, right. I wonder if, I wonder if he knew that this was kind of what he was signing on for. If the creators told him, listen, we have a plan for, you know, this character to kind of become more and more cynical. And he was like, Oh, yes. <laughs> Or if he just. Well, I, wonder kind of, if, yeah. I wonder if they had it planned out that far at that point because they didn't know if it was going to get picked up past the first series. So at that point, oh, they course, may not have course. known. But, but I wonder uh, if they I, knew about that that kind of more sinister part of his character. If they had written him with that in mind, regardless of whether or not they knew the ins and outs of the plot, you know. Um, mm. So, what are your guys' favorites? Uh, favorite parts he's played i've only seen him in merlin and the happy prince so far and i have to say that i can't imagine i'd love him in anything more than merlin i would love to for him to surprise me with something else but i just find that it's the character that we've been uh, with him with the longest it's been the longest journey that we've kind of seen him take as an actor obviously five seasons and i just think the range he was able to give in that show and especially considering we know how um difficult it was to you know keep all those balls in the air with how you know how strict the schedules were I think what he did at such a young age and then obviously you know slightly older towards the end but still under so much pressure I am just completely blown away and you know we're going to get into my favorite part of the episode uh shortly which is the favorites section but I am 
there are some scenes where and in, in which I can't believe he did what he did like on, on the screen. It's just kind right. of amazing. Um, so yeah, Merlin is still my favorite Colin performance. What about you guys? Uh, for me, it's probably Leo in Humans, mm-hmm. at least in the first two seasons. And yeah, I would say that I also do like him a lot in The Living and the Dead, but that is mostly because I candy. I will admit that. Like, his acting, obviously, is amazing because Colin can't be anything other than amazing as an actor. But, like, The Living and the Dead is, like, supreme eye candy for things that I like in dark-haired men. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so as far as my favorite role, at least on television, I would definitely say The Living and the Dead. Um, Because, yes, I, I love Merlin. I will always love Merlin because that's how I found Colin and... Um, and I just love that show and I will never stop loving that show. But as far as he's just come so far, even since then. And I really felt that the living in the dead showcased that, um, because, okay, this is a bit of a spoiler. I'm sorry. Um, his character is, um, he's a Victorian psychologist or psychiatrist. And so he's very, he starts out very scientifically minded, very scientifically based. And then all of these sort of spiritual happenings start happening that he can't explain away. And yeah. then it, he slowly descends into madness. And it's fascinating to watch how he does it and yes. the grief that pushes him to it. And then the, the last episode, which I'm not going to give away anything. If you haven't seen it, you really should, but. I don't understand how he was not nominated for an award because he was just so powerful and like he made me cry like at least four times during that episode um, because he was just so overwrought, so distraught um, and it was just superbly done. So uh, as of now, I would say that's probably my favorite role. I am mm-hmm. thinking that Benjamin will end up being my new favorite once I get a chance to see it from everything I've heard. I really yeah. look forward to seeing that character. Um, I, I hear he's very lovable, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. But up until now, I would say The Living of the Dead is probably my favorite. Nathan Appleby is my favorite of his roles to date. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So can, so can we talk about favorites? Yeah, yeah, is yes. that cool? Okay. Uh, well, so I mean, we've all this is already we've already talked about favorites. Yeah, we'll okay, keep, fine. We'll keep talking about favorites. Uh, so yeah. we have a favorite scene that Colin has performed in. Um, can I quickly say mine? Is that all right? Yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so uh, I'm gonna be talking about three. I'll be brief, I promise. But I, it, it's Colin. He's amazing in everything. So. <laughs> Uh, the first one that I have is, um, Freya's funeral. Um, not Ugh. her death scene, but her funeral. And it's purely for the fact that he hesitates before he sets the boat on fire. Um, which, uh, even Bradley commented on in an episode commentary that wasn't even for Lady of the Lake. I think it was for Sins of the Father. And he was so impressed with that acting choice that he even mentioned it in a completely unrelated episode. And that hesitation for me, completely made the entire scene um, can i just can i just butt in for a second and yes. tell you that that was an ad lib like, but yeah i know which is just written. why uh, yeah which is i mean they couldn't have written that like that's just incredible it is absolutely yeah. wonderful um the second 
uh one that i have on my list uh i'm I actually i'm i've kind of gone out of order but that's fine um is morgana's poisoning which for me is probably one of my favorite scenes that merlin has ever done period um right. it is i actually rewatched it the other uh day because i was watching the fire uh, the fires of edith Scholas with a friend of mine and it just gives me chills like yeah. from the moment he finds out that she's the source of the magic and then up until he's holding her in his arms and he can't even look at her and just like everything he does in those moments but it's actually kind of the lead up to it how he's just like how he tricks her by pretending to take a sip of water and then just like oh just all of it and how he just hands her the bottle without like a single regret like he's like yeah i'm gonna do this and i'm just like the first time we've really seen merlin like that ruthless and oh my god it just gives me chills every time i see it it's just amazing um, but I mean, you could you could still see how difficult it was for him, even yeah, though he sure. he was he was ready. He knew he had to do it, but you could see how anguished he was doing it. It's yeah, just like I said, seeing like I didn't like I never thought that on you know season two, like maybe by season five, but in season two, I never thought we would have got to a point in the show where we would have seen Merlin, you know, holding Morgana in his arms as she's dying, and him just kind of having to deal with that. That he did it. It's just kind of incredible and what he did with that scene i'm just i you know we are not worthy (laughs) as far as i'm concerned um and then the third one that i have uh, which i always forget about until i actually sit and watch it is merlin talking to kilgara about gaius being sentenced to death by uther and it is so damn heartbreaking that scene like it starts off completely normal between them and then you get to a point where you know he's so tired already like he's probably been up for days worrying you know and not sleeping and then he just kind of has that moment where he's just kind of like well there must be something that you can do please like and he just says please and then you know how the dragon just kind of interrupts him and it's just like you know a a creature of thousands of years old and all he has to say is I don't know how to help you (laughs) and it's just so heartbreaking and seeing how he's trying to hold back the tears and I think it's the best he's acted opposite John Hurt's uh voice and like the the CGI it's it's the best scene of him with the dragon in my opinion and it's it just feel like you would I would never have been able to tell you that there was no dragon in front of him in that moment it's just unbelievable um and yeah those are my three favorite performances like scenes of his so um, I know we're only meant to pick one. I I am sorry, but I can never pick one. So. <laughs> I I know you can't. It's fine. Mine is like when I when I sat down to write these down, what my mind kept going to was the was the Colin in the second act of Gloria, where his character uh, Dean meets someone else in a coffee shop. Like if you've if you've seen the play, you'll know what I mean, and um and like just the the change in this character's personality between season uh, season one, act one and act two, it's just it's very obvious for one thing, and it's just Colin just plays it incredibly well. This, this his, change, his, his character is so traumatized, and yes. it oozes out of him. Yes, it, exactly. So... I said I was. I I think I said in the 
first row um, at the theater, and I, I, I swear I could feel the misery coming off of him in waves Yes, as he was sitting there, and it's just, yeah. Like, maybe, maybe that one stands out to me because it was a stage play, and I was actually there for the performance, um, but it's just, yeah, that's... I, I keep thinking about that, about him sitting there and the way he, he's jumpy and, and just so very obviously miserable. Yeah, that's that's mine. All right. Well, let's see. Um, again, like, like Roxanne, I'm going to have a hard time choosing one. Um, one of the Merlin ones that stands out to me um, is the I, – I believe it's in the Desir when – Arthur asks him what he should do about magic and that scene where he has to tell him that he doesn't think that magic should be allowed. Uh. And it's, that's just, and he's saying it because he thinks that's what's going to seal Mordred's fate and save Arthur. So he's doing, he's going against everything he's about. And if you think about the very first episode of Merlin when he's talking to Gaius and he says, you know, if I haven't got magic, then what have I got? And you think about that person then saying to Arthur, no, we shouldn't legalize magic. And the tears that come to his eyes and the, just the, the look on his face, the tears in his eyes and, and knowing why he's doing it. And that moment is just so powerful. Um, and it's and actually, gutting as well, <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> gutting. Yes, and then how it, um, it, it and it turns out to be the one thing that seals Arthur's fate in the wrong way. Yeah, you know, see, he's trying yeah. he by going against himself and doing this, thinking it's going to save Arthur, and it turns out to be the thing that that um, you know dooms Arthur. It's just so so powerful um so that's one of my standouts other than a couple of the ones that that uh, rocks had mentioned earlier all right so um so yes that one and then i would say um again this is in the uh living in the dead where um there is a scene where um nathan is um is speaking to the spirit of his dead son and mm-hmm. the scene where um basically his his son um is jealous of his father being alive and um is jealous of this new life that he has and thinks that nathan doesn't care about him anymore and so basically this scene is finally he actually sees his son's spirit and speaks to him and basically um you know, his son is telling him how he feels and he's like, no, of course not. I, you know, of course I love you. Of course, you know, I want to be there for you. And um, basically his son telling him that the only way that he can repair things is to kill himself and to be with him. And his reaction to that is just absolutely, like I said, I don't understand how he was not nominated for an award because he is just so distraught. And it's amazing. So if you haven't seen it, you really should. It's in. I, uh, oh my I want to say yes. It's it's so powerful. 
Um, so that one really, really stands out to me because even throughout the whole episode as he's kind of, you know, going more and more into this madness, but this moment where he's actually seeing the apparition of his son and his son accusing him of leaving him behind and basically saying, you know, if you, if, you know, I, if you want to take care of me, then you know what you need to do. Oh my God. That is, yeah. <laughs> wow. So that um, one I find hugely <laughs> powerful. Um, and then if I, if I had to pick something, um, on stage, um, I would have to, it's, it's a tough one because like I said I've seen him four times on stage, you know, four different plays. Um, I would have to say, you know, in Gloria, the very end of the first, the first episode, um, the first act, which, mm is very powerful. It's like it's one of those things where you kind of really don't want to give it away because if you ever do want to see the play, you do want it to be a surprise. But um, the first act of the play is kind of a normal um, office situation where everybody's kind of, you know, backbiting and trying to get ahead ahead of everybody else. And it's kind of that yeah. sort of thing. And then there's a tragedy that happens. And it very, very personally affects Dean. And, um, and his reaction to that, I think, was, was, um, was very moving. And, and, oh, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, the first time I saw it, I, I, I almost fell over trying to get up during the intermission because my knees were so watery. I was just so shaken. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so, and like I said, if you've seen it, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and then, yeah. of course, then moving into the second act where you see how much, how, how affected his character was because of that situation is so you know it, it's it's so powerful and yeah. uh, heartbreaking okay um so we're going to talk about favorite line delivery uh which i always really enjoy this section because it's just like i find like i love voices so for me this is like really interesting the way people choose to deliver a line i have three i'm not going to try and like mimic the way that he does them i'm just going to read them because everyone knows what they sound like so it's okay um my first one is it's not really like a line like yeah it, it is sort of a line delivery but the first like okay i i have a bit of a thing for when merlin speaks dragon lord <laughs> like uh, yes. i really do yes and okay time time for me to confess that i find his dragon speak utterly ridiculous like i cannot take him seriously oh God, ever so when he speaks dragon language i just i am so sorry but to me it always sounds so ridiculous oh, I like, apologies in advance to anybody who studies ancient greek well yeah basically <laughs> but i mean i have a thing for when he's like speaking magic spells like in general like i've always like had a thing for that but when the the first time that like i heard him speak uh dragon lord in the last dragon lord which is still my favorite time he's ever done it like just mm -hmm. kind of it's a really long speech and like he starts off really harsh and then he kind of has those moments where he's kind of whispering it and just he's in kind of half crying as well and i'm just like ah <laughs> like all of it is amazing um the other two are less kind of like ah, and more just crying <laughs> um <laughs> they're both uh oh no one's from season three uh, so i'll do that one first it's from the sorceress shadow and it's um it's lonely to be more powerful than any man you know and have to live like a shadow 
to be special and pretend you're a fool. I know how it feels. I understand. And even though the entirety of that line is amazing and how like and the performance along with it and how he just closes the door and just reaches out his hand and just the look on his face. But it's actually the ending of that. It's the I know how it feels. I understand that there's so much weight behind those words. It's just like, I don't know how he made those words sound the way that he did and how it made me feel how tired he is already. And it's only season three and he sounds exhausted. And it's still one of my favorite episodes of Merlin to this day. And it just snuck up from nowhere and just like knocked me out. I love that line and I love that episode. It's just incredible. Um, and then my last one is also very sad, I'm afraid. And, but it's just the delivery is perfect. And it's, uh, I think it's the kindness of strangers is the episode. And it's when he's talking to the lady who's helping him, um, you know, uh, yeah, that one, because <laughs> uh, he's like the messiah or whatever. And, uh, she, uh, and she says that, you know, um, this isn't the first time that she's been on the run and that, you know, even though Arthur's king now, it hasn't really changed much. And Merlin just, you know, he's tired and he's wounded and he can barely speak. And all he says is, it won't always be like this. One day things will be better. And they never were, obviously. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's so painful. But the way he says it is absolutely perfect. And yeah, just Colin was just so on point in every single moment in Merlin. Regrettably, I have to hit the road now, guys. I'm off to uh, uh, just bask in Darren Chris's beautiful curls and eyes and voice. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I'm sorry I have to leave you early, but um, I've I've actually covered all the stuff I was meant to be covering, so uh, I won't actually be missing any stuff. But um, yeah, I will leave you in the capable hands of Momo and rocky and uh, yeah i'm sure you'd much rather listen to them than to me so (laughs) i'm gonna gonna, uh say adios and enjoy the rest of the podcast guys love you all bye bye Bye. all right so So, your favorite delivery of a line yeah i don't actually have the 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 exact quote that's okay um but it's uh it's also from the living in the dead Mm -hmm. and it's that scene when nathan is uh basically breaking up with charlotte when he's when he's sending her away when he tries to make her believe that he that he doesn't care about her that he doesn't love her that he that she should just go that he's better off by himself and that just it's just like it's it's both colin's performance but also just the the, the way he says it to her it's just it's a so it's heart. so cold yeah he's so cold yes, he is so cold he and, is and, so and, and mocking yes mean yes, mocking mean and mocking and it's just oh my god like i mean I, we've talked about how versatile colin is and that you know he can he can bring this to a character but like in that moment you really feel because up to this point nathan has been so kind and loving like their their entire relationship in this show so far right has been so sweet and you just you want them to be together you want them to be happy you want them to have all the love and joy in the world right and then he turns around and acts like that yeah oh it was brutal 
It was yeah. brutal. Um, one of the ones that sticks out for me um, is actually from the fall when he's doing that um, interrogation with yeah. Katie. And um, he's trying to impress upon her how how the killer is not someone she should be protecting. And he goes to describe about how the first victim um, that the ligature that was tied around her neck was so tight that – that her her neck was only nine inches in circumference, and he's mm. talking about it in this you know this very calm vo- voice. He actually draws a circle out and to show her how small that is, to try and make a point to this is not somebody you should be hero worshiping, but it's just the way he delivers it is so powerful. Um, oh and it, it doesn't end up convincing her, unfortunately, but. Um, but it's just so powerful the way that he does it. Um, and he's just so blase graphic about it, about, um, you know, how, how small that mm-hmm. this woman's poor neck was by the time he was done killing her. Um, and like I said, it was just, I thought, I found that very powerful. And then, um, the one I was, and there was another one I was thinking about with Merlin. And, um, it's from the, the fifth season of Merlin. Um, I want to say episode Eight, when um, he's with Daigal in the um, in the woods and they're yeah. trying to get back yeah. to save Arthur and they run into the bunch of thieves and mm-hmm. um, that he's like you know if you value your lives you will yeah. you will back off and um, you know the, the head guy is like well you don't even have a sword and then he just throws him with his magic and goes I don't need one yeah, that's just I love whenever we see those little glimpses of power for Merlin, which we don't see very often. But yeah. I love when he when he the, the way he delivers that is just like, I don't need one. I just love that. Um, oh, yeah. So. Um, All right. So speaking of which, let's have some wrecks. We guys, we realized that we didn't give any wrecks for when we did Bradley, it's because we honestly just didn't think of it. <laughs> but uh, we're going to do Rex for Colin now. And uh, Rox had to dash off, like she said, but she had a couple of video Rex that we're going to put in our uh, in our link section on our website. So you can definitely check out those. They're all like Colin-centric videos about his, his body of work or just... Uh, other Colin things, so they should be enjoyable. And Rockin, what are your recs? Um, my recs are more of uh, you know things that you could be watching that he's done. Yes, please. Um, definitely. Like I say, I, I definitely think that um, if you can stomach watching the fall, some of his scenes, especially the, that scene that I talked about with um, the interrogation scene with uh, with the character Katie, is absolutely amazing. Um, he he does that so well, and um, I think that's definitely worth watching. Um, I would absolutely recommend The Living and the Dead. Um, what? No, I'm surprised now. I know, shocking, <laughs> so shocking. Um, but I would absolutely recommend that. That is just, I think, um, it really showcases his talent really well because you start out with this happily married couple and just watch it slowly fall to pieces, and um, and watch his character 
fall to pieces. And I think he just blows that out of the water and why he wasn't, like I said, nominated for an award for that performance. I just don't know. So if you haven't seen it, I would absolutely recommend that. Um, I would recommend seeing The Happy Prince, not necessarily for the storyline itself. If, you know, you're not into um, biofics or anything like that. But just to see him do something so completely different. I mean, his character of Bozy is so completely different than a lot of the other things that you've seen him do. Um, and for him to pull that off and to completely sink himself into that role, and you don't see any of Colin in that role, um, I think that's pretty amazing. And then, like I say, maybe to to catch something like um, Island, which people don't see very much of, but even just to um, appreciate um, the character that he plays and the, his ability to do that, that accent. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, his character is um, autistic. And um, so it's, it's very different. And it's, it's very interesting to watch him play that kind of a role as well. Um, yeah. I would also recommend... Um Watching Temp- The Tempest. True, because as, it's, as seemed, the, it's really the only way you can watch him on um, on stage. On stage, if you haven't seen exactly. it, it live. And it's also like not only is it the only way to see him on stage if you can't afford uh, like theater tickets or to travel to London where he usually does theater, um, but also it's just him playing Ariel, which if you don't know is sort of like. Uh, a magical spirit that is summoned by the main character and it's just the way Colin plays it is truly like I can't even describe it it's just it is sort of magical and like otherworldly and also he does a lot of like gymnastics in that one like he he oh, athletics like he he climbs around he, he actually he had to for do, that quite a lot yeah he did yeah. Uh, he did parkour training for that yeah um, so and you can see it i mean you don't see it as much on the DVD as you did when you were in the theater, but you still see plenty of it. Um, yeah. And definitely yeah. the scene with the harpy is worth watching. That's, that's worth the price of admission. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely worth watching. And like, like I said, there is a DVD out there and I'm sure um, there are ways for you to find this wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes. Uh, but you can also just order the DVD from the shop from the Globe. So there are many ways for you to see Colin on stage and do a really magnificent role that he that he did a couple of years ago. And then my other recs are, first of all, Murlocked 18 on Tumblr and Life Journal because they do um, pencil drawings. Oh, she's amazing. Both of both Merlin and Colin, like Merlin as Merlin, but also Colin in various uh, character roles. And yes. it's just, they are very amazing with with their art and they, they capture Colin really, really well yeah. in Merle's all of their is art. Am- and- Merle's is amazing. Yeah. I, I love her work. Absolutely so, stunning. She's, a, she's yeah. a great portrait artist, especially. And she just has a knack for getting the life in his face, like his eyes. They're always so good as if you haven't seen her work, you should. That's amazing. Exactly. And then, uh, we mentioned already Merlin's dash earmuffs Mm -hmm. on Tumblr, uh, does, uh, is really good at compiling resources for the Merlin actors, like especially Colin and Bradley. But like, this is a place where you can go to find like, 
um, their scenes. Like, there's, um, I mentioned this in the Bradley episode, like, if you just want to watch scenes of this character, of this uh, actor in any given TV show, for example, then Merlin's earmuffs probably has the resources to either link back to or they created them themselves. So I... I will go there to check for Colin scenes in the fall, but they also have a bunch of other resources where you can where you can go to uh, watch things online of the of the actors and actresses of Merlin. And then there's also the Tumblr user Best of Colin Morgan on Tumblr, who, like the name suggests, is like sort of a, a Colin resource of pictures and videos and just. Someone fun to follow if you just want to have a daily dose or a weekly dose of pretty Colin stuff on your dashboard on Tumblr. And um, uh, Merlin Cast Daily, I think, also does does a decent job of following the different projects of the actors. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can also always follow Brolin's Keep on Tumblr, who will also reblog a lot of like actor stuff, like especially Bradley and Colin, and who will reblog stuff about their projects as they find the information as well, or even sometimes post the information themselves. Uh, but yeah, I would assume that most of the general Colin or Merlin blogs will keep up with the news about the actors. Okay, and that actually brings us to the end of the episode. Excellent. Well, this yeah. was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear it. I'm uh, Rox and I, we're both glad to have had you. And yeah, like I said, this brings us to the end. I just want to quickly thank Sidesteppings for providing us with our theme music and also Manzardian on freesound.org for providing us with our little news tune. Next time in two weeks, Rox and I will do a little fandom recap episode in which we talk about the Merlin fandom in the year 2018, what happened, uh, what Fest Ren, was there anything noteworthy, you know, like this little 10-year anniversary or all of that? Right. And we'll do our little Q&A section for which hopefully you will have sent in many, many questions. (laughs) (laughs) And until then, Rox has been Miss Snow Fox, I have been Momotastic, and our guest was Rockin' Vaughn. Hello, hello. (laughs) I should say goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, and so we say goodbye, goodbye. Bye. Bye.